What's up, guys? MLS Aces Podcast, episode 237. This is your host, Tom Sweezy. It has been a little bit since you've heard my voice, seen my face, however you take in this podcast. I feel like I'm saying that every, I don't know, month or so. Sorry about all of that. Um, No guests this week. I figured we kind of just do maybe a little bit of a quicker episode, kind of just chat about what's going on with the podcast, chat about obviously the news around the Major League Soccer, USMNT world and everything like that. Um, Podcast, as far as episodes come, I'm going to try to do them as weekly as I possibly can. Things are a little crazy right now, um, as per what I announced, like a few, I mean, at this point, a few months ago, getting married, right? All that stuff is 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 a little nuts, state of the world, a little nuts. So episodes will be coming out weekly, if anything, bi-weekly at, at any point. So if, there, if a week does go by where an episode doesn't come out of the podcast or the show or however, again, however you intake this, um, don't freak out. Don't worry. Don't message me on Twitter because I've gotten a little bit of that episodes will come out just maybe um need a week here and there to to handle things going on personally nothing bad just you know hectic crazy life um so that's the only podcast update i wanted to give really again apologies about missing the last two weeks in the last two weeks the mls us soccer world has absolutely exploded congratulations to lafc los angeles fc on winning mls cup Congratulations to the Portland Thorns on winning the NWSL title. Um, Congratulations to San Antonio FC on winning the USL championship. South Georgia Tormenta on winning the USL League One title. And the Michigan Stars on winning the uh, NISA title as well. I think I covered every pro soccer league here in the U.S. Um, But obviously the main focus of this show, of this podcast, is Major League Soccer. So I want to just quickly talk about that LAFC title. Um... I don't want to dive too deep into it because obviously some time has passed. You've heard extra time. You've heard MLS gone wild. You've heard MLS now. You've heard, um, you know, just every other show, the Cooligans, whatever it may be. You've heard shows, people talking about it, radio, Twitter, however, however you take in your your MLS content. You've you've seen the reactions, right? Um, LAFC did something in 2022 that is absolutely incredible. Absolutely, I think, overlooked for the season they had. Yes, they didn't go out with all of their brand new shiny toys and they didn't break that MLS single season point record set by the revolution. Um, but what they did was still awesome, right? What they did is still a top. I think seven season all time as far as points in the regular season, securing the supporter shield title with the Philadelphia Union biting on their biting on their ankles for for that entire kind of end of the season stretch. You go into the playoffs, you beat uh, you know your biggest rival in the league, you beat an Austin FC team that 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 was absolutely hot, was absolutely dominant, had arguably the best player um, of the Major League Soccer season on it, and LAFC really neutralized him. Um, and then you go into an MLS Cup against that Philadelphia Union team that I mentioned before where, you know, they tied you on points. They were just as quote-unquote good as you as far as points. And an absolute madness of a game. <laughs> There's no other way really to describe it. You had red cards, you had backup goalkeepers, you had penalty kicks, you had stoppage time, game tying goals, you had super subs, you had Gareth Bale, you had um, Andre Blake. It, it, it was just an absolutely incredible, just 
mess shit show of a game awesome game it was arguably the greatest mls cup that i think we've watched in in recent memory and maybe this mls 2.0 3.0 whatever you want to say that we're in um but at the end of the day right LAFC, they they did what they had to do. Yes, it was a Gareth Bale miraculous goal in a big-time game. Yes, it was PKs. But LAFC took home the MLS Cup title. Um, they took home the Supporter Shield. They took home a, a, a brace of – or what's it called? Not a brace. It's a brace of, of trophies on the on the season. Um, and at the end of the day, they are your MLS Cup champions. And it's very well-deserved. And we'll see, obviously, along with every other MLS club – how these rosters maintain and continue into the 2023 season, especially with some of these CCL teams and everything like that. Um, mentioning one CCL team, the Philadelphia Union, obviously the losers in that 2022 MLS Cup game. An absolutely amazing season from them. Again, you're, you put up a top seven all-time points um, record at the end of the day along with the Philadelphia uh, along with LAFC in this 2022 season you had historic defense you had you know some of the greatest single season performances like a Daniel Gazdag or or like a Kai Wagner right and Andre Blake um you know the Philadelphia Union should not be overlooked in this they could have should have won this game but at the end of the day you know the, the winner is what the winner is and you you can't argue that. So Philadelphia, keep your head high. Um, Dupe fans, you guys killed it. I got to see you guys live this year. Absolutely great bunch of people. Um, and I, I hope for your future success. Obviously not past NYCFC, but I hope I hope for your future success as well. Um, but this MLS offseason is already kind of going off to a wild, wild start. I think we should probably start with the new guys coming in to 2023 St. Louis City SC. They've already started their roster build through trades, through free agent signings, through expansion draft. And um, I apologize again for missing the expansion draft coverage and being able to talk about it, you know, shortly after it happened. But let's talk a little bit about St. Louis SC. Obviously, they've already added Aziel Jackson from Minnesota, Jared Cloud from Austin. Um, they were able to sign winger Rasmus Alm from Elfsborg over in Europe. Tim Parker was a huge addition from the Houston Dynamo. Um, Tim Parker is a dude who is one of the better center backs in Major League Soccer that I feel like people just kind of forget about because he was on not to you know offend the Houston Dynamo fans out there. He was on a forgetful Houston Dynamo team for the for the last few seasons. Before that, you know, yes, he was with the Red Bulls and he did he he had success there. But before that, with the Vancouver Whitecaps, you know, he was on pretty much a forgetful Vancouver Whitecaps team for his time there. Um, Tim Parker is a very good center back, a very good defender, uh, a veteran of this league, and and I think he's a solid guy to to help build a, a back line around um, when you're thinking about an expansion team coming in. So I really love that Tim Parker signing um through the expansion draft now they added guys like john nelson from fc cincinnati john bell from the new england revolution who i feel like john bell's a really good pickup i feel like he could be that third center back you want on your team that spot starter that dude you bring in late on that back line sub um indiana vasilev they acquired his rights from miami obviously he's on loan from ashton villa over in the premier league so St. Louis would have to work out some kind of deal with um, Ashton Villa to either get him on loan, get him on a full-time signing, whatever that may be, but they do have his rights, and if they can bring him over, I really like that. I feel like Vasilev could be a starter, um, could be you know one of your first attacking pieces off the bench, so I really like that. 
And then striker Nicholas Giacchini from Orlando City. Obviously, you know, Giacchini's kind of had his glow up, blow up over the last year when he was called into the USMNT for the Gold Cup last summer. Um, then, you know, when things really working weren't working out with his time over in France, getting the move over to Orlando City, never really got time on the field, to be completely honest. I think, you know, they were trying to ramp him up and then um, into being able to play 90 minutes and then, you know, things just never really worked out. So at the end of the day, Giacchini looks like he's going to be a backup striker option for St. Louis and for a young kid, a USMNT, you know, player, um, a dude who has European experience in league on and league to, um, you know, I think Giacchini could be, could be a great addition to have on that team as well. Again, spot starter, maybe one of your first attacking pieces off the bench. I like it a lot there. Um, so that's really St. Louis's start to this offseason. They've really kicked things off. A lot of interesting talking points there. And I think are really a lot of strong pieces to build the roster in year one. Um, next, let's talk a little bit of managerial news that's popped up. Houston, you know, we talked about them before. Obviously, you know, letting go of Paolo Nagamora a few weeks ago. Um, they have officially signed their next manager in club history. They have gone with one-time U.S. Open Cup champion and one-time MLS Coach of the Year winner, Ben Olsen. You know him from his time at D.C. United. That ended a little ugly, but he has been in an upper management position within the D.C. Washington Spirit organization organization now he wants to get back into the coaching ranks and in houston's where it's at um i'm not against this move i think as much as some people are i'm not saying that ben olsen at the end of his time in dc was great it was far from great it was it was ugly to be very honest but i think sometimes a change of scenery is needed look at a diego fagundes going to austin from new england yes that's a player but at the same exact time i think the same narrative can be um, can be upheld for, for managers as well. Ben Olsen was with DC and has been in DC, the organization, you know, for, for a very, very long time. Um, I think a change of scenery, I think new, maybe people to work with new coaches, new upper management that he's interacting with every single day could be a, could be a positive thing. I'm not saying it will be, I'm not saying it'll work out. I'm not saying Ben Olsen is going to turn Houston into uh, a contender along with Austin and da uh, Dallas down in the Texas area, right? I don't know. I don't think so. But I'm just saying I think this could be a positive move. You have a guy who knows MLS. Um, I, I think it could be good if Ben Olsen, you know, starts doing the right things. Obviously, losing a guy like Tim Parker right away sucks. Um, but I'm sure it's, you know, Ben's going to want to put his staple on this organization, his players, his DPs, his signings, everything like that. They have some really good pieces there, and I'm excited to kind of see where things go. Obviously, just to kind of pair along with some Houston Ben Olsen news, Houston also traded away Fafa Pico um, to, to Nashville FC uh, a few within the last two weeks. So just also getting rid of another attacking option there, maybe one of the right spots on the roster. Um, we'll, we'll see where Ben in this Houston front office really takes things, especially as you know re-entry drafts and free agency is, is all coming along but the other piece of managerial news that i wanted to talk about is nick cushing officially getting that interim title removed 
from his um, from his title. <laughs> that was that was really bad wording, really bad um, sentence making there. But Nick Cushing no longer interim manager at New York City FC. He is now the official manager. Obviously, you know, making it to an Eastern Conference final with NYCFC this season, winning a Campeones Cup over Atlas this season. It was an ugly start for Cushing's reign with New York City FC, but I think at the end he really got it figured out. You can see how much the players in this locker room like respect and and want to work under Nick Cushing. So. I really do think that he is going to be the next, you know, great manager in NYCFC history. When you look at the Patrick Vieira, the Ronnie Dial is, um, you know, and, and now you you are going to run into Nick Cushing, I think, as, as being just as good as what those guys are when his time eventually comes to an end as well as we've seen with NYCFC managers. Um, let's continue. We'll, we'll stick with some NYCFC news. Anton Tinnerholm, he is no longer going to be coming back to New York City. It's not been something that's been well you know covered up it's been very obvious that he is going to leave new york city at the end of this season he is returning back to his home country he's returning back to sweden to to rejoin malmo uh the club that he actually came from to, to come to new york city so um anton tinnerholm you are an absolute legend of nycfc you are one of the greatest players to ever put on the citizens pigeons jersey however you want to say it and um, good luck back at home in Sweden. We will we will miss you over here in uh, in New York. Let's dive into some other player news. Orlando City they're adding left they added left back um, Luca Petrasso from Toronto FC with Joao Moutinho being a free agent with heavy rumors of him potentially heading to Europe. It doesn't really surprise me that Orlando City went and got uh, a left back early. Um, Petrasso had some bright moments with TFC last year. I don't know. He he is not going to be an exact talent replication at left back for Orlando City for Joao Matinho, but I do think Petrasso has a lot of positives to him. He's young, and I think he could be one to look out for for the future if you give him consistent games and minutes at left back over the next few seasons or so. Um, Let's stick with Orlando. They did gain Petrasso. They did lose um, a pretty big piece to what what made their 2022 season so successful with the U.S. Open Cup title. Junior Urso in Orlando City, they agreed to mutually terminate his contract as Urso wanted to return to Brazil for personal reasons. Um, I hope for whatever those reasons are, I hope they're not negative or they're not overly negative. I hope they're, they're maybe some positive things. Maybe he just wants to be back around his family. But Junior Urso is definitely a legend of, of Orlando City at this point, you know, giving them um, their only title so far in club history. And, um, you know, it's sad to see a guy as talented, as fun as, as the bear was, you know, the, the, the bear goal. I love it. Um, so junior or so it's sad to see you leave. I hope it's for positive reasons. And I hope that you can, you know, have a, have a successful rest of your career down in Brazil for sure. The last player move that I want to talk about, or I guess two more really quickly, DC United, they add center back Derek Williams from the LA galaxy. Um, Obviously, when the Galaxy added Martin Caceres at the end of last year, it really kind of locked down one of the two center back spots. I really think it was between Williams and Sega Koulibaly for the other. Sega Koulibaly seemed to partner well with Caceres and fit in at that other center back spot, leaving Derek Williams to be the, the extra center back, that third center back. But pretty high contract on a third center back there. So they were able to send Derek Williams over to DC United underneath Wayne Rooney and really, um, you know, pair up the, the, pick a similar countryside, the Irish international defender with the English manager of Wayne Rooney. <coughs> um, so I really think that 
It could be maybe a positive step for Derek Williams, getting consistent minutes. Maybe, you know, underneath a guy like Wayne Rooney, he can really grow and, and learn more. I don't know that too much there, but I do think it was obviously a big contract for L.A. to get off their books. Good for them there. Um, and then another kind of lost player to, to Major League Soccer is the announcement of the retirement of left back Dominico Cristito from Toronto FC. I think this one was a little bit of a shocker. I think Toronto, when they signed him this summer, expected to have him for, you know, obviously the rest of that 2022 season along with next season. But Cristito has decided to retire at the age of 35. He put in a lot of good minutes um, for, for TFC at the end of that last season, I think. You know, again, maybe a player that TSC was kind of relying to have on that back line, but unfortunately they won't. And they'll have to find some options at left back to uh, to figure out heading into 2023. But we know Bob Bradley, we know the project's going, and I'm not going to say it's going well, but it's going right now, and hopefully they can figure things out. The last piece of MLS news that I really want to get into, but obviously before I start talking about the World Cup, because, hey, guys, guess what? The World Cup's five days away or four days away or whatever it is at this point. So um, we should probably talk about that. And like I said, I just have one more piece of MLS news really to kind of chat about quickly because it's near and dear to my heart. Going back to New York City, the baseball stadium jokes are going to stop everybody coming in 2027, but the baseball stadium jokes will stop stop new york city fc announced a brand new stadium coming to queens in 2027 this is going to be a 25,000 capacity stadium um, it's going to also be a 250 room hotel also 2500 units of housing in there obviously mixed into the new york city queens metro area you know housing and all of that super important it's a lot of people so i think that's also an awesome um piece to this uh you know added to added to the New York City metro area kind of landscape there. Um, you know, Jordan Griffin was one of the first ones to break this. Shout out to Jordan because he did an absolute great job in breaking it, covering it, keeping us NYCFC fans up to date. But I'm just excited, you know, first soccer-specific stadium in New York ever. That's That's awesome. That's cool. I'm glad that they were able to find a spot. I'm glad that they were able to find a spot on Long Island as a native of Long Islander. Queens is on Long Island, so everyone should know that, yes. Um, but this is just cool. It's exciting to see more and more soccer-specific stadiums or just soccer stadiums in general, whether you know they're shared with an NFL team or whatever. That's here and there, but at least it's not a baseball stadium. And as an NYCFC fan, I can agree that baseball stadiums suck. Let's just get soccer-specific stadiums, and I'm glad that New York City was eventually, finally, a decade later, um, you know, able able to figure this one out. <sighs> okay, that was a lot of MLS news. That was a lot of talking. That was <laughs> that was a lot of me just going on to an MLS rant there to pretty much cover what's been happening over the last two weeks while I haven't been able to put out an episode, but. Let's talk about the World Cup. Like I said, the World Cup is days away. The USMNT's title run is just days away. We're going to win the 2022 World Cup. No, we're not. It's sad. It's depressing, but it's okay because this is all just a nice primer for 2026 when these guys are in their prime, when these guys have a World Cup under their belts, when these guys are playing the best soccer of their careers. This is all going to be true, guys. I just want you all to know that this is going to be true, and we're going to win 2026. So just get excited for, for 2022. Let's see some positive performances. 2026, we're going to kill it. Um, so USMNT World Cup, 
I'm going to just quickly run through the roster. Obviously, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you know who is on the roster. But goalkeepers, Matt Turner from Arsenal, Sean Johnson from New York City FC, Ethan Horvath from Lutontown, defenders, Anthony Robinson from Fulham, Serginio Dest from AC Milan, DeAndre Yedlin from Inter Miami, Joe Scali from Borussia Mönchengladbach, Shaq Moore from um, Nashville SC. Don't know why I said Nashville, <laughs> Nashville SC. Cameron Carter Vickers from Celtic. Walker Zimmerman from that Nashville SC. Aaron Long from the New York Red Bulls. And Tim Ream from Fulham. The midfield, Tyler Adams from Leeds United. Kellen Acosta from the 2022 MLS Cup champions, LAFC. Weston McKenney from Juventus. Eunice Musa from Valencia. Christian Roldan from the 2022 CONCACAF Champions League winners, Seattle Sounders. That was a lot in one sentence. Luca De La Torre from Celta de Vigo. And Brendan Aronson from Leeds United. And then in the forwards, Giovanni Reina from Borussia Dortmund, um, Christian Pulisic from Chelsea, Timothy Weah from Lille, Jordan Morris from your 2022 CONCACAF Champions League champion, Seattle Sounders, Jordan Jesus Ferreira, um, FC Dallas, Josh Sargent from Norwich City, and Haji Array from Antalya Spor. Um, a lot there, a lot there to cover. I think we should start with obviously who's here, who I'm excited about, everything like that. Obviously, the goalkeeping unit, there's one massive name missing in Zach Steffen, who I'll talk about in a few minutes. But obviously, you look at Matt Turner right away, right? Almost presumed starter for this group. If he's not the starter, I will be heavily, heavily upset. You know, he's currently the backup to Aaron Ramsdale, um, you know, right now at Arsenal, but. He's been getting your uh, Europa League minutes and he's been killing it in Europa League. I think he has, you know, almost as many shutouts as games play that he that that he has for that group. So it's absolutely sick to see Matt Turner make it, obviously making the jump from New England to Arsenal recently and now, you know, getting the the, the World Cup call up and, and doing well over in uh, over in the Premier League. Sean Johnson, Ethan Horvath, you know, it's really going to come down to we're not hopefully not going to see the backup keeper. Um, I personally think Sean Johnson's the number two to Ethan Horvath at the three. But um, at the end of the day, these are two guys who've been killing it for club and country. We've seen them represent the U.S. well over the last year, year and a half, two years. We've seen them represent their clubs well over the last year, year and a half, two years. And uh, they're both well-deserving of it. Um, I guess I'll actually kind of talk about snubs as we get through roster position groups. So let's talk Zach Steffen. Wild to me that Zach Steffen's not part of this. Wild to me because Zach Steffen has been a Greg Berhalter dude over the last two years. He has played important games for Greg Berhalter, started important games for Greg Berhalter over the last two years. Um, Honestly, I thought it was just going to be Turner, Horvath, and Steffen, not any shot at Sean Johnson. I think Sean Johnson deserved to be there over Ethan Horvath, but... I thought Stefan and Turner were almost the one and two that you can almost like Sharpie into this lineup. And and the fact that he's not there, I know he's struggling right now for Middlesbrough. I know he missed the last USMNT call-up window with some injury, potentially some personal things going on, potentially. I don't know what's going on there. I'm sure we'll find out um, maybe post World Cup, but you know, Zach Stefan not being part of this group is kind of insane to me. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Like, I'm still not processing it, even though the roster drop has been out for for over a week now. Um, it's just it's going to be wild to see him there and not see him there. But I guess it is what it is, and you have to perform for your club right now. And and, and the three guys who got called in have been, and Stefan hasn't. So 
I guess that's that, that's the the tail of the tape, tail of the tape for for uh, for soccer leading into the World Cup roster decision. Let's look at the defenders. Obviously, you know, I think the big thing here to look at is you presumably have four right backs and one left back. Obviously, you know, we've seen Serginho Des play left back for the USMNT. Hasn't been great. I don't love it, but it looks like he is going to be the backup left back option with, you know, guys like Sam Vines or George Bello or, or Kevin Paredes not really stepping up or, or not being ready at this moment in time to be that that next left back option. Um, Joe Scally can also play a little bit of left back. I think he kind of showed out a little bit more than Dest at left back in his small sampling size for the USMNT, but we'll see what Greg Berhalter likes, who that next left back option could be. Um, if, you know, we even need a backup left back at this point, you know, maybe Anthony Robinson plays every minute for the USMNT for us um, as we go on to win the World Cup. You know, I, I don't know. I'm just saying I do think it would it, it would be nice to have a backup left back option plan. And to me, it looks like when you're just looking at the roster, Dester Scally, I prefer Scally, but we'll see. Obviously, let's jump over to that right back. Dest, I think, is the presumed starter. I think DeAndre Yedlin is maybe the presumed right back. Um, backup. I think he is only mainly because of experience, mainly because he's the only dude on this roster who's played at a World Cup before. Um, yes, Joe Scally is a starter in the Bundes in, in the Bundesliga, and Shaq Moore has been around. But you know, I think Yedlin's that number two guy behind Dest, if you ask me, just for his experience of again playing in a World Cup, playing in big games, how much experience he's had around the USMNT group overall. And I kind of want to lead that into my one fullback that I was pretty shocked who did, who didn't get the call up, and that's Reggie Cannon. Because again, Reggie Cannon has seemed to be a Greg Berhalter guy. Um, you know, I know he hasn't been playing a ton in Portugal over the last few weeks, but again, similar to Zach Steffen, he's been around the group. He's he's always been called into camps, and we also haven't really seen Shaq more in the last year for the USMNT. So. I just kind of assumed it was going to be Desti Edlin Scally Cannon move forward with the right backs. And that was really going to be it. Right. But I guess Shaq Moore getting minutes at Nashville and Reggie Cannon not really getting minutes with Boa Vista has, has led to that decision. So at the end of the day, we have our fullback set. I'm shocked Reggie Cannon isn't there over Shaq Moore. But again, maybe that's just a me thing for center backs. We have Cameron Carter Vickers. You know, like I said, I think, I prefer CCV to be the starter next to Walker Zimmerman. I've said this on Twitter. I think I've said this on past podcasts as well. For me, that's the best center back pairing of this group of four that we have. Um, Knowing Greg Berhalter, it's most likely going to be Zimmerman and Long, but I think Zimmerman and CCV is the play. You know, it really does suck here because, you know, like we saw in, in some of our titles that we've won over the last two years, Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman have been the duo, have been the pair. It sucks that, you know, Miles got injured so long ago and we haven't been able to see him and Zimmerman continue that awesome defensive pairing that they were. Um, you know, even Greg Berhalter announced during the roster decision that Miles Robinson like would have been here. So it sucks. I would have obviously loved to sit here and say it was going to be Zimmerman and Miles Robinson and we move on and it's not even a question, but it's Zimmerman and question mark. Again, if I know Greg Berhalter from what we've seen, it's going to be Zimmerman and Long. I hope it's Zimmerman and CZV. Um, I'm happy Tim Ream got the call up. Um, I'm not happy. Why? I guess because really, again, the Miles Robinson injury, the Chris Richards injury. Um, I think Tim Ream was that next guy up. He's a starter in the Premier League. He's a starter for Fulham. He's playing 
pretty well for Fulham, even at a little bit of his older age. Um, you know, I think he could just be a little bit of experience. Yes, he hasn't played in a World Cup like DeAndre Yedlin, but he's been around the USMNT group. He's been a professional soccer player for a long time. I think maybe just kind of adding a little bit of calm, collective experience to the back line could be what Tim Ream brings. Obviously, he can also play left back. I really don't want to see it because we saw Atata Martino in Mexico absolutely abuse Tim Ream at left back. But we'll uh, we'll get to that road if we see Greg Berhalter subbing in Tim Ream and we see Anthony Robinson's number go up. All right. In the midfield, I think, you know, it's the MMA, right? It's Musa McKenny Adams. It's like, that's the grouping. Whether we see Musa drop a little bit deeper and playing in a double pivot next to Adams, or we see McKenny in that role, I prefer to see Adams and Musa as a double pivot, McKenny playing a little bit in front of them. I think the three of them just work really, really well together. I don't want to see Adams in a single pivot, um, you know, for, for reasons many people across MLS and USMNT Twitter and podcasts and shows I've talked about. Adams does a lot for the USMNT. I think he's the most important player for the USMNT. I just think when he's in a single pivot, he can get pulled out of positions too much when he's trying to do too much because he has to do at points too much for the USMNT. So I would like to see Adams and Musa in that double pivot, have McKenny play in front of them, you know, have maybe McKenny and Musa be a little bit fluid between that double pivot too. So we'll see. Um, I think that's the starting lineup, right? Um, I think Brendan Aronson may be coming in a little bit more attack minded for, for playing in front of that double pivot um, could be an interesting piece, could be something to watch out for because he is playing obviously more attacking in that midfield for leads. Um, I also think you could see Brendan Aronson out on the wing and that's kind of lead into that winger or that forward grouping. The wingers, I think it's Pulisic and Reina starting. If you ask me, I think it's easy. Pulisic, Reina, maybe Pulisic and Aronson if you want to have Reina coming off the bench. But but I think it's Pulisic and Reina. You know, Timothy Weah as a third winger option, even as a starting option, I love it. I, you know, I think we have strong a strong three wingers there. Um, I'll finish off with the wingers in the Paul Ariola jordan Morris conversation. Paul Ariola has seemed to be over the last two years a Greg Berhalter guy. I've said it 15 times. Greg Berhalter did acknowledge it, though, during the roster announcement, saying there's always been an injury to someone in the group, whether it's been Reyna, whether it's been Weah, whether it's been Jordan Morris, right? Paul Ariola was always that next winger up. I thought Paul Ariola in the last two years has done enough to prove for the USMNT that he should be part of this winger group. Apparently not. And, you know, he got he got the boot for Jordan Morris. Um, that's nothing against Jordan Morris. It's just he's been injured, you know, this year. Yes, he did score a good amount of goals. Yes, he did play well. And, you know, yes, he did have a CCL title underneath his belt. But I don't know if he did enough for me to out way Paul Ariola. Maybe Jordan Morris does some different stuff on the field for a Paul Ariola, but um just again, him, Stefan, um, and I think one more player that we'll talk about with the strikers really does suck for me not to see them in this in, in this group. But I think it's, you know, you're splitting hairs here with, with the fourth winger on the team. I think it's going to be Pulisic. I think it's going to be Reina. I think it's going to be Wea. I think Aronson could potentially get minutes over Jordan Morris too. But We'll see, obviously, what Greg Berhalter decides. And the strikers with Ferrara, Sargent, and Wright. Haji Wright being a part of this group is wild to me. 
not anything against Haji Wright. I think he's scoring a ton in Turkey. I think he's a very good striker, and I think he should be part of this group. But after the last time we saw Haji Wright with the USMNT and the comments Greg Berhalter made about his performances and his showing, I'm surprised we, we see him again, to be completely honest, especially with options of a Ricardo Pepe, who has been a Greg Berhalter guy, who has started big games for the USMNT over the last year, um, a PFOC, who is starting and playing well in, with Union Berlin, uh, a Brandon Vasquez, who, yes, who hasn't been a part of this group, neither really has Haji, right? Um, but Brandon Vasquez, who, yes, doesn't have a cap, but he's been scoring a ton in MLS, where you have a Jesus Ferrara, who's been scoring a ton in MLS as well. So... I'm just shocked Haji Wright's the third striker. It's the third striker. I really think we're only going to see two. I think Ferrara and Sargent are the one and two options for Berhalter. Um, I think Ferrara should be the number one still right now, unless maybe we get a game where even Greg Berhalter has said Josh Sargent plays in England. He knows the English players a lot. Um, he's most likely, I think we're most likely going to see Sargent start against England in the in the group stage game. So I guess it's just going to kind of be who's scoring, who's hot, who's playing well, who's training well. But I think right now to start, especially against Wales, it's going to be Jesus Ferrara. And guys, it's the World Cup. We're back in the World Cup. Like, this is insane. This just, just, just get excited for, for the USMNT. Let's just get excited for this because we're going to take it home. Okay. We're taking this home. Like, let's do this. We're, we're going to win the World Cup. And if you're just listening to the podcast and heard me do three kisses into the mic, I'm kissing my, my USMNT um, jersey right now. I'm kissing the badge because we're we're going to do this like we're going to take this we're going to make it out of the group we're going to win a, a, a round of 16 game i don't know if we're winning the world cup i will freak out if we do but 2026 i think is the play let's just have a good showing here and, and see you know building up these guys into into 2026 because this is the second youngest roster at the world cup that's insane that's a good thing if we show out well if we completely shit the bed and fall apart then we have bigger issues. We have bigger issues to worry about. Um, I want to throw out my prediction for the group stage here. I think it's going to be England one coming out of the group. I think it's going to be us two coming out of the group. And then this is maybe my quote unquote hot take. I think it's going to go Iran three, Wales four. So just my maybe my hot take leading into into the World Cup. Last few things I want to talk about on this episode, and then I'll let you guys enjoy the rest of your beautiful day, and I hope you guys are having a beautiful day. But obviously, Major League Soccer is also um, you know, home to clubs and players that live a majority of their time outside of the U.S., and I'm talking about Canada here. Canada is also represented in this 2022 World Cup. Um, I want to quickly just kind of run through this roster and just, you know, kind of give some love to some of the Canadian players because there are Canadian players, there's Canadian listeners to this podcast and the show and everything like that. Um, Goalkeepers, Milan Borjan from Red Star Belgrade, Dane St. Clair from Minnesota, and James Pantamis from Montreal. Obviously, the big exclusion here is Maxime Cropo, who got injured in that MLS Cup um, game for LAFC. So um, I think he would have been there. I know he would have been there over James Pantamis, but Pantamis is the next guy up. The defenders, Sam Adekugbe for Hatyaspor, um, Richie Larea for Toronto, Alistair Johnson for Montreal, Kamal Miller for Montreal, Joel Waterman for Montreal, Derek Cornelius from uh, Pantalokis. I just butchered the hell out of that. These plays in the Greek 
first division Greek Super League. Um, and then Steven Vitoria, who plays for Chavez in um, Portugal's first division. I think the quote-unquote big exclusion here is Raheem Edwards for the Galaxy. I don't really think it's a big exclusion, to be completely honest. Um, I just think he's honestly one of the few names that didn't get called into this um, Canadian roster. In the midfield, we have Sam Piet for Montreal. A lot of Montreal players in this World Cup. I will just say that. Um, Liam Frazier, who plays in Belgium's second division. Atiba Hutchinson, who plays for Besiktas in Turkey. Steven Eustachio, who plays for Porto. Ismail Kone from Montreal. <laughs> Jonathan Azorio for TFC. Mark Anthony Kay for TFC. And David Wortherspoon for St. Johnston. Um, and then the group of forwards, Alfonso Davies, MLS legend for Bayern Munich, Liam Millar for Basel, um, Junior Hoylett for Reading, Tejan Buchanan for Club Bruges, Jonathan David for Lille, Kyle Laren for Club Bruges, Ike Ugbo for Troyes, and Lucas Cavallini for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Again, maybe the only name missing out of that forwards group being Theo Corbinu for, for Blackpool. Um, but at the end of the day, this Canada roster is, looks like the strongest grouping of players that you could possibly find for the Canadian men's national team. Um, you know, I think they're going to come out in that 3 5 2 3 Four one one whatever you want to call it. Like, they, they play a very fluid style of soccer. I like it a lot. I just think, you know, it's going to be that three in the back. It's going to be Davies and Buchanan on out wide. Um, Ustakio kind of holding it down in the middle. And, and then hopefully David and Laren banging it in up top, right? Like, I think that's that's pretty much what you're going to expect for this Canadian men's national team. A lot of MLS dudes here. A lot of Montreal players, like I said. Um, you know, uh, I'm very happy for Canada. I'm very happy for this group to to get represented in this World Cup, and especially Atiba Hutchinson, like Canadian men's national team legend. The dude's like 40 years old. He's gonna get a game in this World Cup. He should get a standing ovation from every Canadian men's national team fan because this dude has done a lot for for the country this dude has done a lot for the canadian men's national team kind of just being the face of of the country soccer wise um on the men's side and not on the not on overall i think on the men's side only right um but atiba hutchinson is a legend of canadian soccer and he deserves to get praised this world cup same with milan bourgeon as well um my predictions for this group i think belgian Belgium finished first in this group. I'm going to give Canada the hope. I'm going to give it to them. I think Canada make it out of the group finishing second. And then again, maybe maybe my hot take here. I think Morocco finished third. I think Croatia finished last. I think Croatia is a very old group. I think they're a little washed. Watch them win the group and I look like an idiot in the uh, next few days. But the last thing I want to say about this, kind of just from an MLS perspective when talking about the World Cup, we have 11 countries who have who have called up uh, MLS players or MLS and I think one MLS Next Pro player um, to the 2022 World Cup. 36 MLS players and one, sorry, 35 MLS players and one MLS uh, Next Pro player um, called into this World Cup. Canada calling in 11, USA calling in nine, Ecuador calling in four. If you're an MLS fan, watch Ecuador. You're going to see MLS players play. Costa Rica with three, Cameroon with two, Uruguay with two, Australia, Mexico, Poland, Switzerland, and Wales all calling in one. Guys, the MLS Cup 
playoffs are over. MLS free agencies here. Um, 2023 season is right around the corner and teams are getting their rosters built now. So pay attention to your favorite MLS team now. Um, the World Cup is freaking here. So make sure you guys are tuning into your your country's you know game. Make sure you're watching. Make sure you're you're cheering. If you can legally drink, have a drink, celebrate because we only get this once every four years. Yes, there's a lot of controversies in Qatar right now. Yes, Qatar looks like a mess right now with the World Cup. But celebrate and support your country. Celebrate and support your players because they deserve it and they need it now more than ever. Um, like, I do this every single time. Let's go, USA. I'm not going to do any I believe we will win. I hate the chant, but I do believe we will win and make it out of the group stage. I think that's a success. That's all I have to say. Thank you, guys. Watch the World Cup. I love you. See you next.